Let's all stand open our Bibles to Psalms 133 tonight. I hope you will be in prayer for the health and the, the ministry there. Thank God for every door that God opens up around the world. And we'll read the entirety of the chapter. For those of you that have not read a chapter yet this year, we're going to help you out. Read the entire chapter, Psalms 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. You know what? Let's just read it in unison as one voice as a church. Ready? Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard that went down to the skirts of his garments as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. I know this is one of those verses that's been misquoted, misstated, and this is not talking about unbiblical unity. Uh, this is not talking about the ecumenical movement that has taken place, the uniting of religions. I'm talking about here in our local church, God's people, your brethren. And God looks at it and says, how good, behold, Take a look. He said, this, this is something to be observed. There's nothing more beautiful in life than true biblical harmony. And uh, I know there are uh, biblical divides and divisions. We're talking about uh, the reason that we divide over sin or over false doctrine. Uh, we understand that it is a collective group. I don't believe we even need to go down that trail tonight. I believe that's understood by everyone here. We're talking about biblical unity, setting aside our secondary differences for a bigger cause. Amen. Unity is beautiful. And that's in the home. That's in the school. That's in a place of business. That's in sports. I uh, for years, five years, lived in Argentina. I'm convinced that of all the soccer teams around the world, Argentina consistently every year has the greatest talent and should have for the past 25 years won every World Cup based on talent alone. But when you look at those that defeated the Argentine team, it was not because they had a greater collection of talent, but they had a more unified team playing together as one and anything that will keep us from victory. Uh, we see it starts right here with the lack of unity. Church, we go into 2024, we ought to make this a model where we say, I want to be part of a unified team. If you are not thinking big picture, now here's what selfishness will do. It'll be about me and my and what I think and what I feel and what I desire. And here's what unity does. It changes me to we. Yes. And it gets you to focus on others and get way past yourself. I love a good orchestra. For years, we go to vacation in Colorado. 
there was a local orchestra that we go and listen to, very professional, uh, nothing more beautiful. But you know what they first would do at the start? It didn't sound good when they started because they had some kind of tuning instrument and every strained instrument before it gets in tune, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard. And they didn't use several different tuning instruments. They used one and they checked every instrument there on the stage. And then after a couple songs were played, they would retune. You know what happens? We tend to get in tune, yes, and then we don't check. We don't occasionally retune and say, I'm in this home or in this ministry or in this church. Am I the one that's making a horrible squeaky noise? Because you can take that violin and you can look like a professional and even be a professional, but if yours is not in tune with every other instrument on that stage... You're disharmonious. You're causing the lack. You know, go to Genesis 11. Let's look at the beauty of unity. Genesis 11. We're going to read one verse, the Tower of Babel, because everyone here knows the story. It's a situation that didn't please good because the unity was something uh, against God's desired will. But here's what God said about their unity. Verse 6, the Lord said once again, when we talk about unity, here's the word God uses. Behold, take a look at this. Behold, the people is one. They all have one language. This they begin to do. Now, what is the result of their unity? Nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. The power of a unified now. Here's how he thwarted their effort because what they planned to do was not a good thing. He said, I'm just going to divide them. I'm going to cause division. Uh, and it started with communication. I'm going to have them speak different languages so they cannot communicate and stay unified. Now go back to Psalms 133. He gives us several examples here. We want to look at a lot of scripture tonight, so we'll race through this very quickly. He says, how good and how pleasant. You know, there's nothing more pleasant about a church than the church body being unified, and there's nothing more disgraceful and distasteful than a church that is filled with divisions, right. a fleshly, right. carnal, everything but Christ-like. Now, isn't it amazing of all the examples that he could have used, look at the one that he does use. Verse 2, it's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts in his garments. Now, why in the world, speaking of unity, why? Why here? Why this? Oil on a beard. That's Biblical unity. Now you go back and we won't to what God had planned there in the anointing of the priests, in the anointing of Aaron, and this is God's blessing and God's power and God's favor and God's touch. 
upon a man that we know about. And when he was anointed, he had already taken Israel in Moses' absence and led them to make a golden calf, which they would worship and so anger God that thousands of people would die because of his poor leadership. Now, here's what God says about unity. This is like oil on a beard. This isn't natural, something that we would consider unity. But this is God saying, like, how he would bless this. We're talking about in the spiritual sense, God's anointing, God's favor comes with unity. And we would never consider oil on a beard to be unified. But guess what? When you take a look around this auditorium and you say this is one body, we have people from so many different backgrounds and so many different stories in this place and ethnicities and states and family origin. There are so many differences in this place. You would look, humanly speaking, say it would be impossible for these people to work together. But the Word of God has given us a united purpose. And as a church body, we're looking way beyond who we are or our personal agendas and saying for the sake of the gospel, let's allow God's power and favor and blessing to be poured out. And it starts on the head. Now, Don't think for a second that God ever misplaced, misstated, or randomly wrote. It's not like Miss Simpson's English class where she asked for a paper and people begin throwing out ideas and there's a a revision of a revision and even the final copy is not a very good (laughs) rendering of her desired subject. In this case, God is being very precise. He says it's like the precious ointment up on the head. It starts with a head. You know where unity starts? With a head. And for people that choose uh, uh, to try to function without a head, they're saying, I will disrupt unity. It's impossible in any church. It's impossible in any home. It's impossible in any business. It's impossible in any ministry or anything that we consider functional to be without a head. And that anointing and that unity starts with our understanding of biblical leadership and biblical fellowship and biblical authority. And anyone, I thank God uh, for, for this church and the people, their understanding of authority. Someone in authority doesn't have to beat his chest, doesn't have to scream and yell and claim to be Tarzan. Uh, biblical authority is someone humble, submitted to Christ, easy to follow. That ought to be every spiritual leader in this church that naturally reproduces humble fellowship. That creates unity. And young people, I'm going to tell you a secret. Anybody that is being disharmonious in a church and affecting the harmony of the church, it all starts with their problem of biblical and with biblical authority. That ointment starts up on the head. It runs down the beard and it says, hold on, this will help us all. 
even Aaron, even Aaron, even, even that man that made his first chance at leadership, he blew it. We would say disqualified. He said, even Aaron's beard. Be careful before you look at that spiritual thorn in your life and say, he's more like Aaron than Moses. God said, that oil that even ran down the head, the beard, Aaron's beard. There's a lot to learn there. We could park there all week. Teach a lot of Bible right there, but I think you got it. I can tell by your faces, you got it. You didn't want to get it, but you got it. Because that eliminates our pretense in our argument. The wind down, here's what happens, starts at the head, goes down the beard, worked its way all the way down the skirts of his garments. And it says, then the dew of Hermon. This is unity and the blessing that, that God has upon a unified body. He, the two examples, the special anointing upon his now remember, this was the building of the tabernacle that would lead to the building of the temple that was a forerunner to us is the body of Christ. And as we look at these examples, here's what he's going to do. The first one, oil upon the beard. The second one, the dew of Hermon. Now here's what we like to think. We like to think of great rains and thunderstorms and, and God says, no, when it comes to unity, dew. I mean, you just wake up and it's there. And you look at those places that are lush and green. It's not the heavy torrential rains that come and go. It's those places where almost every day of the year you wake up and there's just dew that waters everything and makes it lush and green. And you look at a church that's unified. You just wake up and everything's greener here than it is anywhere else. It's greener in the nursery. It's greener in the Sunday school. It's greener in the junior church. It's greener in the Christian school. It's, it's just green. It's lush. It's pleasant. Everything is growing. Why? Because there's a blessing of God on a unified body. Now, Mount Hermes, a high mountain, but you look down on the mountains of Zion and, and that dew reaches the whole valley and turns it all green. Now, look at the next phrase. This is so beautiful. For there, we're not, we're not talking about Mount Zion. We're not talking about Hermon. We're talking about there where there is unity. That there. On, on that temple and those people and Aaron and on that leadership and wherever there is unity, behold, there the Lord what? Amen. Hey, when the Lord commands, it happens. Yes. Yeah. The firmaments are divided. The sun goes exactly into its place at the exact degree that God commands it. And God said, when there's unity, God commands his blessing. Church, we ought to all be striving together to say this ought to be a place that is unified when Satan is trying to bring uh, destructive division. And all we're talking about to God's work all across the world. I don't know how many churches I've seen the blow up over the course of my life. 
because of fleshly, carnal, stupid divisions. Go with me to John chapter 17. Christ, the final moments of his life, is going to pray. A famous prayer. What will he pray about and for as he looks at these disciples? We all know because it's written in Scripture. Those private moments are made public for our benefit. Verse 21, that they all may be what? Completely unified. As thou, Father, art in me. That's the sons of thunder. Unified. They're going to have to be less thunderous. That's Peter. He's going to have to be less boisterous. That they may be one as our Father art in me. Now he sets the bar high. If he would say that they may be one, we could talk about a lot of things. We could talk about chocolate milk. How many of you ever done that? You got a glass of milk and you got the Nesquik or the syrup and you poured it in and it settled on the bottom of the glass and then I want to make this one. Right? And then if that wasn't one enough, you put it in the blender. You say, boy, that's perfect. That's one. Now you let that sit on the counter for an hour, and that's two. Uh, that's what happens spiritually. Now he didn't say one like chocolate milk. He said one like the Trinity. That's a mind-blowing one. He sets the bar so high. Now, church, this eliminates pride because you walk in with your opinion. It's very important, supremely important. You've made it important, and your family knows it's important, and your friends know it's, it's very important. It's trying to make life complicated for everyone because my opinion is the supreme role and uh, everyone ought to highly esteem my opinion the same way I esteem my opinion. And here's Christ's prayer. He said, this church is about ready to get rolling. And he has a small group, but he wants this thing to blow up. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. And he said, in order for that to happen, these men are going to have to be Unified in church, if we're going to move, move forward in a supernatural way, that means we're going to have to be more unified than ever before. Fat people and skinny people, smart people and dumbbells. I won't identify the, either the fat or the skinny or the smart people or the dumbbell. I'm just saying we have to be more unified than ever before. Alaskans and Texans and Floridians and no matter what state you're from or country you're from or the color of your skin or your food taste, none of that matters. Your personal preferences, your methodology. Well, I've got a good plan and my plan works. Well, we may not want to work your plan. That the world may believe that thou hast sent me, verse 22, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them that they may be one even as we are 
one. Can you, can you change the direction of your prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ? No, no, I in them, thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. I think he's making it very clear. His desire is to have a unified body as they endeavor now to get this church in Jerusalem to grow and go. And boy, did it ever happen. I believe the prayer was answered. Unity is the desire of Christ's heart. It's a reflection of the Trinity. Go with me to John 13. It's the identifying mark of believers. If you're a cause for division, Pastor, would you doubt my salvation? Oh, absolutely. And someone that is spiritual says, my, my opinion doesn't matter much. We unite around God's word. We unite around God's truth. We unite around a Bible purpose. We don't unite around opinions. John 13, 35. Here is what God says. Salvation is hidden in the heart. You know, if you walk up and say, I'm a Christian, uh, people will have to take that at face value. They'll have to believe your word. But God says, you ought to give them some visual proof. What is that visual proof? 13, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. If ye what? If you actually love one another, love enough to unite. Go with me to Acts 2. Let's see Christ's prayer and how it was answered. God put this in Scripture so we know the church was united, unified. There's no way for them to accomplish what they accomplished without them being unified. A church that grows to over 50,000, most historians would say in between 50 and 100,000. How do you even function with that many people? They did because they were united. This speaks of the 3,000 saved at Pentecost. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayers. Uh, guess what happens? You're united. You stay united in doctrine. You stay united. It's obvious because you fellowship. There are some Christians in here having fellowship outside their circle of three in ten years. You're united in the breaking of bread. Now, you're a Baptist. You ought to be good at this. Amen. Right? Yeah. Learn to cook. Learn to make big meals. And learn to invite people over. And then keep the fellowship positive. Not a single word that's negative, derogatory, hurtful. Nothing that would include gossip or slander. And if you do gossip, make it positive. Did you hear about that, Elena? She's a really good wife. She's an amazing cook. She's a fabulous mother. That's what I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> She's a blessing as a daughter-in-law. Those kids are amazing. She's a fabulous Christian. She's always in the scripture. Yeah, those messed up shoes because she's always on her knees. I mean to tell you. Verse 44, all that believed were together. I mean, they were together more than a couple times a week for five minutes. Not, not the independent Baptists together run in the door last minute, shake two hands, get disturbed with someone because they took your seat and leave uh, 20 seconds after service. Verse 46, they continuing daily, one with one accord. Joe, 
Come up here to the piano and play one chord in a chord. Just make it beautiful, Joe. Today, Joe. That is beautiful. Now, hold on, hold on, Joe. Don't, don't leave. Now mess that up with wrong, one wrong note. That's pretty bad when she can't even mess it up. Joe, would you please mess it up? That's what you sound like with your opinion. What? You know what I'm thankful for, Capital City? The people can't even get into Discord. I tell them, please, create Discord, and they can't. Pastor Mark is convinced that I need to use more visuals. So tonight I will. This is the proud Christian. Right here. Look at me. I mean, perfectly shaped. I mean, I got it together. I mean, come on, folks. I need a little admiration, a few accolades. I mean, if Lego ever built the perfect block. Okay. I've got a few ideas about how to build. Okay. The problem, you are one. When we think big picture, you, you know what it takes? A lot of unique blocks put together exactly as they're meant to be built, properly framed, and look at this magic. This is borrowed. I have no idea what it is. I just know if that would have come in a box, I would have been very frustrated. Because that's a lot of pieces. But I'm happy with the end result. But no, this is the Christian that says, be a part of that? No way, man. I'm way bigger than that. I am way prettier than that. Did you see that little... I hope I don't mess this up. There we go. Did you see that little great piece? That nothingness? That no value and pastor wants to use him? You got to be kidding me. Well, him is humble. You, you know what happened here? A lot of little insignificant, even ugly plastic pieces all placed together in harmony. This, this is God's plan. A church, a body where each person says, uh, alone and by myself, I'm not much, but a part of his plan and a part of his purpose. And just as a reminder for some of you, Maybe we'll buy some yellow pieces and put them in my office. And when you come in there, I'll just hand you one. <laughs> you know what? I'm not even going to respond to that. I'm just going to give you a photo. Okay, man. First Corinthians 3. 
what causes the lack of unity and the harmony in a church? 1 Corinthians 3, 1, Paul tells us, I, brethren, could not speak unto you unto, is unto spiritual, but is unto carnal. That's, divisions are all based on carnality. If you're part of a division, if you are divisive, if you create disharmony and not unity, God identifies you as carnal. Babes, yellow lego. I've fed you with the milk and not with meat. You're not able to bear it. Verse 3, you're yet carnal for where is there is among you envying strife divisions are ye not yet carnal and walk as men now we could talk about a lot of uh, proofs of carnality the uncontrolled tongue a critical spirit disagreeing constantly questioning I laugh at these young men and young ladies uh, that are teenagers and college age, well, when I become a parent, if I were a mother, if I had children, I just look at them and say, you will. You will. And you're not going to be perfect either. And someone's going to look at your kids and go, ooh. Pastor needs to learn something about casting out demons because that child has two or three. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how uh, we are so full of ourselves and our opinions. Pride. This is really the only by pride cometh contention. The elevation of our thoughts and instead of humbling ourselves. And really, this is about thinking bigger picture. I, I thank God for this church. I, I truly do. I wake up every day and thank God for this church. And... Uh, I, I pastor this church, so I know this church better than anyone here. Yeah. And I'm thankful. Amen. And I, I know my people better than anyone here, and I'm thankful. I've been to a lot of places, made me unthankful <laughs> for my visit, and thankful for my church. Amen. Amen. Church, here's what we better do. We better look at ourselves continually and humble ourselves and say, I don't want to be any part of any kind of disunity that tears down. And here's, here's what you want to do for the health of the church and your own spiritual health. When you reach a point where you say, you know what, I, I just don't love the brethren anymore and I don't respect this church and I don't enjoy the leadership, there are thousands of churches across this nation. And the good thing is... It's not like a parent. Parental authority, you're born into that with, without a choice. But when it comes to church, you get a pick. And the good thing is, when you are that perfect, I wouldn't even go mess up an imperfect church. I would just go plant one with all your great ideas and pastor it. People are going to love the perfect pastor with the perfect ideas. Trust me, the whole world has been waiting for that. So I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to support you. We will help you in your departure and in your church plant. And you better hope you have an incredible wife because she may be the only one there for a long time. Colossians 3.12 and Ephesians and we will be done. Colossians 3.12 
in order for unity to take place, there's going to have to be a lot of humility, have to be a lot of forgiveness. And this beautiful word that we find in Colossians, I've considered for months about preaching through the book of Colossians. We may do it this year at some point. Colossians 3, verse 12. Put on their fours, the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies and kindness and the humbleness of mind. You've got to put that on. You've got to put it on every day. Mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. Let me ask you this. How many of you think every Christian wakes up and puts this on? You know, when you put this on, it's obvious. Kindness, humbleness, meekness, and long-suffering. Then, how is it revealed? Forbearing one another. Now, he tells you, you've got to make a choice. Now, this is reciprocal. You want to be forbearing because you're going to need some forbearance. In a marriage, in a home, in a ministry, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ, so also do ye. Above all these things, put on charity. Because why? Charity is biblical love, which is the bond. Pastor, I just can't bond with them. Yeah, of course not. You didn't put on charity. Pastor, there are just some people in this church that I naturally don't buy. Of course, you have a flesh and they have a flesh. You're both idiots. <laughs> Go put on charity. That's all there is to it. It's a decision. It's a choice. It's a determined effort. Ephesians 4, verse 1. It doesn't happen naturally. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness. Meekness. Once again, it's all that stuff that's packaged into humility. Forbearing one another in love. How do you do that? Endeavoring. That means you've got to work at it. Jay, just like you have to do it in the home with Grace and Kate. That's an endeavor. You know what's incredible? Jay, you can go with that. Carry rocks, mow yards, plant trees, eat dust. And it's easier than endeavoring to keep the bond of peace with two sisters. (laughs) One endeavor is much easier than the other. You know what you're going to have to do? Forbear. And I know mom will sit down and say... Jay, they're good girls and they love you and they make great coffee and you don't even like coffee and one day you'll grow up and understand how incredible they were as sisters and you're like yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Oh, if God would have only given me 15 more Wesses and one less Mason. Amen. Where's Mason? Forbearing. Church, here's what we want to do. Every day God gives us in this city, if we want that oil running down the beard and the skirts and the dew of Hermon and God commanding a blessing, you know where it starts? When we make a determined effort, I want to make sure I am part of the unity and never part of the disunity.